currently I'm studying uh, for a PhD in theology at NOBTS. And so you might recognize me from there too. But um, good morning. For those of you joining on live stream, good morning. And thank you for joining us in this way. I'm privileged to bring God's word to us today. Um, we're going to pray. Let's pray and ask for God's blessing upon this time, okay? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Thank you, God, that because of you as our shepherd, we need fear no evil and we will lack no good thing. Lord, this morning we turn to you again and thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for the power of your promise. Thank you for your presence and your Holy Spirit here with us. That we may draw comfort from you and strength from you and just walk with you, Lord. Lord, whatever the circumstances may be, whatever the fears may be that surround us, we just thank you for your truth. We thank you for who you are, that you you're, you haven't gone anywhere. You're right here with us, Lord. Thank you. Please guide your people. Please help us to walk in faithfulness to you so that no matter what happens through this time, you would get glory. You would help us to show the world that you are real and that you help those who call upon you. Lord, help us walk with you. Please be near us now, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. We're looking today at Genesis 30. Nine. So let me turn there real quick. I'd like to open with this question. How are you doing with the Lord? How are you doing with the Lord? How is it going between you and God? Now notice what I am not asking. I'm not asking how smoothly are your circumstances going, right? Because there is a big difference between how you're doing with the Lord and your circumstances. Your circumstances could be just the worst, and yet you're doing very well with the Lord. The opposite could be true as well. Everything could be going just as you would like, yet you could be doing really badly with the Lord. Your relationship with him could be in shambles. You know, in my seminary in California, there was a guy who did really well in his classes. He was a top student, straight A's. He was good looking. He had a beautiful wife. Everything seemed to be going very well for him. But on the day of his graduation, he dressed up in his cap and his gown, and he walked to receive his diploma. And as he looked out at the audience, his wife was nowhere to be found. She had not come to the ceremony. And so he went home, and when he got home, she was still nowhere to be found. But he did find a stack of books on their king-size bed with a note on top of the books. 
And as he took the note and opened it, it was from his wife. And this is what it said. To my ex-husband, I'm leaving you. Here are your books. You always loved them more than me anyway. Devastating, right? True story. You might think your life is going really well. You might think a lot of things are great, while your relationships that matter the most are in shambles. And the same is true of your relationship with God. You might think, you might think things are going really well in your life, but your relationship with God could be in shambles. Now, of course, every analogy breaks down. If you've entered into a relationship with God by trusting in his son, Jesus, God will never leave you or forsake you. Not like that wife in the story, right? But this is just a warning that in, just like in any relationship, you could get caught up in stuff, in all the stuff that you're doing right now, right? And then neglect your relationship with the Lord. So how are you doing with God right now? Honest question, how are you doing? Are you walking with him? Are you interacting with God on your day-to-day -day life? Are you inviting him to be involved in everything that you think and that you do? If someone were to look at your daily life, would they see a person who is walking with the Lord? Because as we look at Joseph in his daily life, we see a person who really walks with God, who really invites God to be involved in every moment of his life. That's what we can learn from Joseph this morning. We can learn from Joseph how we can closely walk with God no matter what the circumstances may be. No matter if we're in the middle of a global pandemic that's shaken the world, what matters is that right now we walk with the Lord. We stay as close to him as we can be. That's what we learn from Joseph. Even in the midst of the worst circumstances, we can walk with the Lord. Look with me again at Genesis 39. Four times in the chapter, it will say, the Lord was with Joseph. Look at verse 2. It says, the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. Look at verse 3. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all he did to succeed in his hands. Look down at verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And look at verse 23. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge. Why? Because the Lord was with him. And that is Joseph's secret for getting through even the worst circumstances. He walked with the Lord. It says the Lord was with him. Now, we can do the same. If we think our circumstances are hard, think about Joseph's. His were way worse. First, he was lost and alone in a foreign country. Look at verse 1. It says, now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt. So he was in Egypt alone, far away. He did not understand the language he did not understand the culture of this place. Even worse, he had no status in this culture because he was sold as a slave. So he had been sold, by the way, by his own brothers. So that's 
talk about family betrayal, okay? So you have been betrayed by your own brothers. They have sold you into slavery, and you are in a foreign country. And if that's not enough, he is sold again. Look at verse 1 again. It says, And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. So now Joseph has been sold as a slave twice, and he's really alone in a hopeless situation. He's been sold by his brothers, and then he's been sold by his distant cousins, the Ishmaelites. He is now the slave of a foreign military leader, and he has no idea how he's going to be treated. So if you have ever felt abandoned or stuck in a dead-end job or thinking, is this what my life has come to? Joseph would understand. He felt totally abandoned by his family. He had the ultimate dead-end job. He was a slave. And what made it even harder was that he had come from a family of privilege. He had been his father's favorite. He had the nicest clothes. Remember the Technicolor dream coat? He he'd even gloated over his brothers about how his, he had these annoying dreams. He had a lot of say in his household, but here he had no say. He had no rights or freedoms. He had no family or friends. All he had was the Lord walking with him. Now, that's what's remarkable about Joseph. What makes him the not-so-average Joe? In the face of so much loss, we would understand if Joseph got bitter I think a lot of us, if we went through what Joseph went through, we would get bitter. Like, God, why me? Why would you allow this to happen to me? What did I do, right? If we were in Joseph's position, I think we would shake our fist at God and say, I am through with you, God. What's the point of following you when you let something like this happen to me, I did not sign up for this. I thought believing in you would bring blessings, and it seems like all it's brought me is curses. It's remarkable that Joseph did not get bitter. He did not get bitter with God over his circumstances. He did not blame God for his circumstances. He took his circumstances and chose to walk with God through them. He chose to walk with God right where he was at. And that's the first lesson we can learn from his life in walking with the Lord. Number one, walk with the Lord right where you're at. Walk with God right where he has you right now. Look at verse two. The Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all he owned in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Okay, you know, sometimes we make this mistake of thinking that we have to get to a certain place in life before we can walk with God. You know, in Brooklyn, I've heard Chinese mothers say it this way. 
They see their children starting to go to church and they'll say, oh son, oh daughter, you're interested in God? Well, that's good, but it's not the right time yet. They'll be like, first concentrate on school, then get a good job as a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer, and then start a family and give me grandchildren. Then when you get older, that would be the right time to focus on God. Or I've heard it said this way. One college kid had prayed to receive Jesus. And so as his pastor, I encouraged him to get baptized. And you know what he said to me? It's a common response. He said to me, I am not ready. And I said, okay, what do you think would need to happen for you to be ready? And he said, well, I just got to get my act together first. Now, it is not a bad thing to want to get your act together. You know, it's not a bad thing to want to be a better person. But it is a bad thing if you think you've got to get your act together first before you can walk with God. Because that would assume that God only walks with those who have their act together. You know what I mean? And that's just not true. In fact, the gospel says the opposite. God walks with those who do not have their act together. And they're willing to admit it. And they're willing to turn to him and ask for forgiveness and help. When Jesus died on the cross, he was not saying, hey, get your act together. Try harder, then maybe you can walk with God. No, when Jesus died on the cross, he was saying, I am the one who earns your right to walk with God. I am paying for your sins so that you, if you believe in me, you can walk with God right now. Right where you're at. And it's walking with God that will make you better. Not getting yourself better first before you can walk with God. It's amazing to me that Joseph didn't wait for things to get better or worse before he walked with God. Look at verse 2. It says, The Lord was with Joseph. He became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. Joseph walked with the Lord. The text makes that very clear. Look, the Lord was the reason for Joseph's flourishing in the worst of circumstances. The Lord was the reason that Joseph could be hopeful in a hopeless situation. The Lord made him competent. And it was the Lord who was getting the glory for Joseph's success. Because look at verse 3. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all he did to succeed at his hand. Okay, so you know what this tells us? This tells us that Joseph spoke up about the Lord. How else could his master know that it was the Lord who was blessing him? Unless Joseph was opening his mouth, he was saying something about the Lord. Not only was he working hard, but he had to be speaking up about the Lord somehow, right? How else would his master know? He had to be making his walk with God obvious. Maybe his master saw him praying throughout the day. Maybe his master saw him interacting with God, right? Maybe his master saw him praising God for the little good things that might happen. But somehow, Joseph had to be speaking up about the Lord because his master saw it and he realized there must be something about this Lord. And so even as a slave, Joseph witnessed for the Lord right where he was at. 
And the master couldn't help but notice. Look at verse 4. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. He made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all he had. From the time that he made him overseer in his house and over all he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all he owned in house and field. So he left all he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. What a way to witness for the Lord right there in everyday work. Like sometimes we forget that. I think sometimes we think of witnessing as just like going out on a mission trip and sharing the gospel or like joining some evangelistic project in the church. But we forget that we can witness for the Lord in our everyday work, in our everyday walk. Like just just by working hard, right? Knowing God is by your side. Just by interacting with God throughout the day and not being afraid to let others see that, that you interact with God. Letting others see your faith in Jesus. You might be in the most horrible dead-end job right now. You might not like going to work at all. And I'm sure it wasn't fun for Joseph being a slave. But don't let your circumstances blind you to your relationship with God. Don't let your circumstances make you think you need to change something before you can walk with him. No, walk with God right now, like right where you're at. In your seat, you can begin this, right? Invite him to walk with you at your job. Invite him to walk with you when you're with family or friends, especially the family or friends who make you nervous when you're talking to them. Invite him to walk with you through the nitty gritty details of your day. You don't have to fix anything up before you walk with him. You can just walk with him today in all your brokenness, in all the crappy stuff of life. You can walk with him through it because of what Jesus has done for you. So God is not some goal that you have to attain. He's not like up there and you can't reach him. He's right where you are, calling your name, reaching out for you to take his hand. Just take his hand, walk with him. No matter what you're going through, no matter where you're at, just take his hand and walk with him today. Right now, walk with the Lord where you're at. That's the first lesson Joseph can teach us. Now there's a second lesson. Here's number two. Walk with the Lord when you are tempted. Walk with the Lord when you are tempted. Look at verse six. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house and he has put everything that he has in my charge. There is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or be with her. But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. Okay, words cannot describe how important this story is for us in our cultural climate. Like words cannot describe how important it is for us to meditate on what Joseph did in this story. Because it is so common to find a man or a woman willing to commit adultery. 
And it is so rare to find this kind of faithfulness. A survey in Christianity Today magazine found that even among pastors, pastors, mind you, one out of eight pastors admitted to committing adultery even after starting the ministry. And among lay people, it was worse. It was one out of four who had committed adultery. That is the definition of a crisis. It's brought unfathomable pain to our culture, to the people, to the churches, to the couples, to the children. I'd I'd bet you know a number of people in your own life who have cheated on someone or been cheated on and the kind of pain that brings because it's sin. The temptation is real and the danger is real. You know, the Gospel Coalition, this online uh, blog, they recently did a study of 246 men, all of whom were pastors and all of whom had committed adultery while they were pastors. They had fallen from ministry. So without exception, all 246 of them admitted that they were convinced this kind of moral failure, quote, would never happen to me. And here's another really interesting point. All 246 admitted they did not have a personal habit of prayer, Bible reading, or worship. All of these men had at some point forgotten to walk with the Lord. But that was Joseph's secret for overcoming temptation. His secret was his personal, daily walk with the Lord. How do we know that? Well, let's let's look at the text here. The text keeps repeating the Lord was with him. Now, so we know he was cultivating that personal relationship with God, even to the point where his master took notice, right? But we also know that Joseph was walking with the Lord because his behavior reflects it. Look at verse 6 again. Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, this is a remarkable sentence, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. Do you realize what Joseph is doing here? He is counting his blessings. I think that's a really big part of walking with the Lord. Count your blessings. Like when you're facing temptation, it's easy to get caught up in what you don't have, right? Like ask God to help you remember what you do have, what you will lose if you give in to the temptation. We can learn from Joseph's walk with the Lord. Count your blessings. Secondly, we can learn also how to acknowledge God in the situation. Look at verse 9. Verse 9, he says, There is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you're his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He doesn't say Potiphar. He says God. It's so interesting. Joseph explicitly mentions God in a moment of temptation. When you're tempted, I think we tend to forget that God is there. And that's why I think it's so important to remember, let's cultivate this close walk with the Lord. Acknowledge God in the situation. Call out his name in the moment of temptation. I remember a story that Francis Chan told in church once. He tells about a date that he went on 
when he was a teenager. So he's on this date with a girl from church, and they watch a drive-in movie together. So they're sitting in the car watching this movie, and Francis wants to get a little closer. So he puts his arm around her, right? She doesn't seem to mind, so he tries to get a little closer. He shifts his weight a little bit. As the movie goes on, he gets closer and closer, and now he's close enough to kiss her. And so he's thinking, okay, I'm going to go for it. And so he goes for it, and this is what happens. The girl shifted her weight, gently pushed him back, and she said this, Francis, Jesus Christ is in the car with us. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Right? Okay, when facing temptation, it can be powerful to acknowledge God in the moment. It really can. Just like, whoa, okay. That's another thing that Joseph does that can really help us, you know? What's another thing he does here? Here's, here's one. He stays out of the shadows. He stays out of the shadows. Look at verse 10. And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, or be with her. But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was there in the house. Okay, so the story will continue, but Joseph stays out of the shadows here. He stays out of shady spots. Like he stays away from places where he knows he's going to be tempted. Verse 10 says he refuses to lie beside her or to be with her. So she's probably inviting him to be close to her, right? And he's just like, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. And then verse 11 It seems to imply that usually there would be other servants in the house when he interacted with her. That's why it says that this was a dangerous day because none of the men of the house was there in the house. So the implication is that maybe Joseph tried to keep away from her by making sure people were around. And this really helped him stay out of trouble. Now, the same goes for us in our temptations. Stay out of the shadows. Stay away from the places where you know you will be tempted. You know, a pastor was uh, counseling this guy who was dealing with alcoholism. And this guy kept going by this, um, uh, by, by this bar that was in town. And so the pastor goes, okay, well, is there something with that bar? Like, why uh, is that bar like on your way home or something? Is there a way to avoid it? And the guy goes, no, actually, I have to go out of my way to go to that bar. <laughs> And so there's this sense where the guy was actually just putting himself in places where he would be tempted. He wanted to fall. Ask God to give us the inclination to go the other way. Like if there's even a hint of possible temptation there, let me stay away from that shady spot. This really helped Joseph stay out of trouble. So stay out of the shadows. Walk with God in the light as he is in the light. These are valuable lessons, you know, that Joseph can teach us about facing temptation. Count your blessings. Acknowledge God in the moment. Stay out of the shadows. But if, if all else fails, you can do one more thing. Run. <laughs> Look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. She caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. There may be times when the temptation is so great and so pressing, all you can do is run. I had a buddy in college who whenever he felt tempted towards pornography, he would literally run. Like he would get out of the room, he would go on a run, and then he would run to the nearest guy friend he could find. 
I had friends who, when they were tempted, they had a list of people they could call right away just to talk. And you, by the way, you need a list because sometimes you call someone and you get voicemail, right? You need a list. I had other friends who wouldn't open their computer unless someone else was in the room. And if there was no one else around, they would go study at Starbucks. But yes, there will be times when the temptation is so obvious, it's so great, you just got to get out of there. Like Joseph, you got to get out of there. Get out of the place of temptation. There are lessons here that we learn from Joseph. But don't forget about the point of it all. The point of it all is that we walk closely with the Lord. That's the goal. Look, I'm I'm not trying to escape temptation because it's so great to escape temptation. No, I want to be driven by the fact I want to be close to God. I want to walk with God. I want to be blessed by God. I want to have him near me. And I feel so far from God when I'm sinning. I want to be close to him. He is my refuge and my strength. These are lessons we need to take from Joseph. Don't ever try to go it alone. Walk with the Lord right where you're at. Walk with the Lord when you're tempted to sin. And finally, number three, walk with the Lord even when life's not fair. Even when life's not fair. Look at verse 13. When she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled outside, she called to the men of her household and said to them, see, he has brought in a Hebrew to us to make sport of us. He came in to me to lie with me and I screamed. When he heard that I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and fled and went outside. So she left his garment beside her until his master came home. Then she spoke to him with these words, the Hebrew slave whom you brought to us came into me to make sport of me. And as I raised my voice and screamed, he left his garment beside me and fled outside. Now, when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spoke to him saying, this is what your slave did to me. His anger burned. So Joseph's master took him and put him into the jail, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the jail. Don't you just love how how obvious, like it's just so clear where Joseph is at each point. Earlier it said he was in the house. Now he is in the jail. Things are getting worse. <laughs> like it's, it's pretty bad. Now, one of the saddest things about living in this broken world is that you can do the right thing and get punished for it. You know, this is recent. Uh, There was a sixth grader in Virginia named Adriana. And one day, Adriana was at school, and she saw a boy in the playground cutting himself with a razor blade. So she got so upset, she ran up to the boy and snatched the razor blade out of his hand, and then she threw it right into the trash, and she reported it to the office. Now, you would think that the school would praise Adriana for what she did. But instead, this is what happened. The school immediately suspended Adriana for 10 days and recommended that she be expelled. Why? Adriana's parents were so shocked by this. They asked all the kids in the playground that that were witnesses what had happened. They all confirmed Adriana had done the right thing. But the school didn't change its mind. And here's why. Their justification was their zero-tolerance weapon policy. So basically, Adriana was suspended for the few seconds that she held the razor blade in her hand. 
Here's what Adriana's mom said about this decision. She said, I was shocked and surprised. I was very shocked that a student would get suspended for saving another child. She thought he would bleed out and he was cutting himself. There was no teacher in sight. It was a 911 situation and there was no time to find a teacher. When reporters asked Adriana, the sixth grader, what she thought, she said, even if I got in trouble, it didn't matter because I was helping him. Now, you would think that doing the right thing in this life would get you rewards, right? But very often, the opposite is the case. And we Christians of all people should be ready for that. Our Lord Jesus endured that his whole life. God's word tells it to us straight. We live in a broken world. When you try to do the right thing, you might not get a reward. You might get suffering instead. Well, then you might say, why would I ever want to do the right thing? Why would I choose suffering instead of prosperity? Here's why. It's because when you are willing to suffer for doing what the Lord says is right, you show the world that walking with the Lord is more important to you than the fleeting pleasures of this world. You show that knowing God is more valuable to you than living in the sin of this world. That's why we have to walk with the Lord when life's not fair. It's not fair. Because the steadfast love of the Lord is better than life. He is better. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Philippians 3, 7 to 8. He says, whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of knowing Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. The longer you walk with the Lord, the more you realize he is worth more than all the riches you could have in this world. Knowing him is worth more than being treated unfairly or being treated fairly. He is worth more than anything in this world. Joseph knew something of this. He walked with the Lord and he went to jail for it. This shouldn't take us by surprise. God told us this would happen in 2 Timothy 3, 12 to 13. 2 Timothy 3, 12 to 13 says this, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Sounds like what Joseph faced, isn't it? Potiphar's wife kept going from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But Joseph knew that walking with the Lord is worth so much more than giving in to her. Even in jail, he experienced God's presence, his goodness with him. Look at verse 21. And verse 21 says, But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. The chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. Even when life is not fair, keep walking with the Lord. You will see him come through for you again 
and again. Now notice how similar the language in this passage is to the beginning of the chapter. Joseph might be in a different place. There he was in the house, here he's in jail. But the God who is with him is the same. God continued to give him the same favor no matter what his circumstances were. And the same goes for us. God is faithful to us no no matter what our circumstances are. And sure, circumstances may not be ideal, but the meaning of life is not in having perfect circumstances. The meaning of life is in walking with God, knowing God, and having him know you, no matter what the circumstances may be. If you are not walking with God yet, know that right now he is inviting you to walk with him. Right where you're at. You don't have to make yourself a better person first. You don't have to pretend like you're perfect. Just be willing to admit the truth. You're not. You're a sinner. We're all sinners. We believe that Jesus died for our sins so that we could have peace with God and walk with him from now on. So you're not walking with him. You could just say to the Lord, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I know I am, but I believe you died for my sin so I could walk in peace with you. I could walk with God forever. I confess you as my Lord. Help me walk with you from now on. All right, let's pray. Lord, please help us to walk with you right where we're at. Please help us to walk with you through whatever temptations we might be facing. Please help us to walk with you even when things in life are just not fair. Help us to walk with you like Joseph did and find that you are faithful and that there is a higher court and a higher justice than man's justice, that you, O Lord, are the true judge and the true mercy. Lord, thank you for being with us. Help us to continue to interact with you on a daily basis. Help us draw from you our strength. Thank you, God, for being with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, would one